Welcome to the Public Health Trends in 2021 and Beyond, What a Difference a Pandemic Makes podcast series hosted on Government Technology Insider. I'm your host, Matt Langan. The COVID-19 pandemic brought telehealth to the forefront of care in both the public and private sector. After nearly a year of experience with telehealth and high adoption rates, agencies like the Department of Veterans Affairs are looking to make telehealth services permanent and expand the use of telehealth to support mental health services, including both group and individual therapy. But what do agencies need in order to expand telehealth service delivery to ensure that constituent needs are met? And our first podcast in the series titled Telehealth Expansion in 2021 is made possible by innovation. Leah Sims, Senior Manager for Healthcare Insurance and Life Sciences at Verizon, and Dr. Jerry Howard, Senior Advisor at Teneo, will answer this question and more. And before we jump in, I wanted to give a brief background on our speakers. Leah Sims is the Marketing Strategy Lead for Healthcare Insurance and Life Sciences on the Vertical Strategy Team for Enterprise Marketing at Verizon. She brings 30 plus years experience working on the clinical side of healthcare and in health information management and HIT and has supported Verizon's healthcare vertical for nine years as a subject matter expert, writer and content developer for the practice. Jerry Hauer is a leading expert in emergency response, emergency management and crisis planning. He has vast experience establishing and executing effective risk management strategies to anticipate threats, reduce vulnerabilities, and execute plans and procedures designed to support business continuity and personal safety. He also has a significant track record of service in the areas of homeland security, emergency management, and medical and public health planning. And Leah and Jerry, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Great to be with you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you both. And let's start at the top. So telehealth has become a prominent care channel with the COVID-19 pandemic. And how do you see telehealth expanding this year? And we'll go with Leah first on that one. Hey, yeah, thanks. Appreciate the question. You know, at Verizon, we had quite a pivot from our customers when COVID hit last year, really seeking our support and services to help them rapidly deploy telehealth solutions. In reality, there were a whole lot of folks in healthcare who didn't enter 2020 last year necessarily planning to stand up or expand telehealth services. There were a lot of barriers, which I know we're going to talk about later in this discussion, that had really kept the ball of healthcare telehealth moving rather slowly forward in terms of adoption. But of course, COVID kind of kicked the door open for everybody because it was needed most emergently to sustain services. And we helped our customers kind of get things stood up quickly, everything from supporting, you know, virtual visits with devices and connectivity and video collaboration capabilities, as well as, you know, mobile testing centers and mobile testing units in a number of other ways. But we know that we'll see this expand throughout, you know, this year and in the coming years if a few contingencies are addressed, which we're going to talk about but we also know that, you know, the, the horse is out of the barn, <laughs> so to speak about it. Patients are adopting telehealth and adapting to it more quickly than they would have in the past, uh, necessity being the mother of invention. And so we recently did some surveying through our Verizon Media Group with consumers and asking them what their experience with telehealth has been through this last year with COVID. And the responses have been very positive. Patients like it. You know, they've had some challenges, perhaps, with the ease in in user-friendliness of some of the platforms that they're using. They want to be able to get in quickly and be able to talk to their doctors, but they certainly do love the convenience of it. 
uh, that they don't have to leave home or get off work or, you know, obviously during this COVID year to put themselves at risk, uh, stepping out in public and the ability to connect with their clinicians in such a quick, convenient way. I think it's here to stay. We certainly believe it is. And we're focusing a lot of our attention as a business on um, how to support that evolving and expanding adoption as much as we can. That's awesome. Thankfully, appreciate those insights. We'll kick it over to Jerry now. Well, thanks. I agree with Leah. Telehealth has really expanded very rapidly because of the need to connect doctor and patient at this point in time. It was the pandemic that really forced this expansion. And we learned a lot as the connection between the provider and the patient occurred. I think at this point in time, we are going to see a continued expansion of telehealth. And telehealth is going to be a fundamental component of the way the doctor interfaces with the patient, particularly in the most rural areas of the country. Excellent. Thanks, Jerry. And for my next question is what barriers remain to telehealth adoption, both for providers and agencies? And how do you see organizations like Verizon working to remedy these challenges? And again, we'll go with Leah. Yeah, I appreciate the question. I think there's a number of things that we still need to see happen. There's been huge acceleration. I think there's an appetite and an interest for it in areas in healthcare we haven't seen in the past. But there's still some things that when we talk to our provider customers that they're concerned about, and we're watching as well, you know, the reimbursement allowances for telehealth that were put in place for 2020, you know, we obviously want to see those made permanent. We want to see those expanded to include, you know, broader models. And we want to see that reimbursement, the parity of reimbursement come up a little bit so that, you know, providers are incentivized to continue to position telehealth as a virtual first option, you know, for their practices. They need to be reimbursed at a parity level with their in-office or on-site visits in order for them to see an ROI and a reason to invest and expand with telehealth offerings. But we also want to see uh, HIPAA security rules revisited and addressed. I think it'll be important for there to be some updated language in the HIPAA security uh, rule that, that takes telehealth now into account into what needs to be protected from a solutioning standpoint. There were some guardrails that were temporarily lowered last year when it came to using some non-conventional platforms like Zoom or FaceTime or even Facebook Messenger for quickly communicating or setting up a virtual visit between a physician and a patient. And of course, those HIPAA guardrails are going to go back up and as they should. And we're hopeful to see, you know, that the security of data across those video collaboration platforms is consistent from space to space. So those are some of the barriers. But we also know that a big barrier to telehealth adoption, to Jerry's point, is how do we make sure that telehealth doesn't become an option for an elite few who have access? It has its greatest potential to impact healthcare at the access level when we can get it to those who need it the most. And so that means addressing things like broadband and connectivity and devices and, and data and some of those social determinants of health barriers that might keep telehealth out of reach of those that are most needful of it. So one of the things we're doing as a business, in addition to looking at how we address devices and data and connectivity uh, as we roll out our telehealth platform, 
but as a company, we're addressing universal broadband in, in very strategic ways. Uh, Hans Vestberg, our CEO, was just named chair of the new Edison Alliance, which is part of the World Economic Forum, along with a, a number of other executives from MasterCard and Google and a few others that are committed to working together on the issue of universal broadband and making sure that we're extending broadband everywhere we can to ensure that connectivity is not the barrier to telehealth for those that need it. Those are some of the ways that Verizon specifically, people are looking to Verizon to help solve some of those challenges. Great, Leah, appreciate those insights. And once again, we'll pass it over to Jerry. Great, thank you. Leah's answers, I think we're right on target. All right, the biggest barriers from my perspective are really bandwidth and speed. But as Verizon and other companies continue to broaden their footprint with high-speed services, telehealth will become easier for people to use. Reimbursement's going to be an issue. We're going to need to work this out with Medicare, Medicaid, and insurance companies as telehealth becomes a more fundamental part of healthcare delivery, particularly for non-urgent care. And then we're gonna have to figure out how to include urgent care in the mix. And all of this, I think, is just gonna be learning as time goes on and telehealth continues to grow. Okay, then our next question is, as telehealth is implemented, how do concerns with HIPAA and the user experience influence adoption? And we'll go with Leah on that. You know, I think HIPAA security is table stakes right now for telehealth technology. When we talk to providers, it's not a differentiating factor from one platform to another. It's expected. It's presumed that your solution, telehealth solution, will have been validated and certified to be HIPAA ready and to support compliance programs, you know, within the healthcare system. I think we, again, we would like to see the HIPAA privacy and security rule specifically the language readdressed, it's been a while since that rule was, was released. It probably makes sense for OCR to take a, a second look or put some fresh eyes on that, given COVID and given the way care has moved into a more virtualized space to make sure that that language is still relevant to those care models moving forward. All right, great. Thanks, Leah. We'll kick it over to Jerry. What we've seen with HIPAA is that with the rapid expansion of telehealth, it was not always as easy to put HIPAA in place at the same rate as the expansion. I think as time goes on here and telehealth becomes a more integrated part of the doctor-patient relationship and people rely on it more and more, that HIPAA is going to be a critical component that is focused on by federal agencies to ensure that there's no breach of doctor-patient confidentiality. And they're gonna look to the providers, both the technology companies and the carriers to ensure that uh, patient data is not compromised in any way. All right, great. Well, thanks for your insights there, both of you. And there are a few organizations using telehealth to its fullest extent, but what organizations do you see successfully using this technology? And again, we'll start with Leah. 
Yeah, I would say the larger hospital systems and IDNs have been um, positioning telehealth as a virtual care option in specific settings before COVID even, and certainly some that have pivoted strongly, even more strongly towards it since COVID. And the FCC funding that was put out last year for qualifying health organizations to support their telehealth deployments has probably helped move that needle for a lot of people. But I would say that Veterans Affairs, VA, has has been a leader in that space for a while. They were uh, really kind of first out of the gate um, among their peers of getting telehealth deployed. We've been working with them for some time on a number of connected care-related initiatives. And I would say they're doing a stellar job of expanding their telehealth footprint and presence in positioning a virtual-first strategy. And what I mean by that is using telehealth not as a gap fill measure or a temporary backup option because of COVID, but truly positioning telehealth as a virtual first doorway into low acute standard care services for a number of specialties. I think they really out and leading ahead of many in that space. I also think that, you know, it really depends on the model. There are a number of hospital and health systems out there that are using, you know, an AMWELL or a Teledoc-type telehealth service where they're outsourcing the clinical piece of that and using that to help with their workflow. And then there are others who are choosing to keep that in-house and are looking at telehealth platforms that integrate with and support their clinicians with providing televisit services to their patients. So I think there's a number of people out there doing that. There are pros and cons to both models, of course. Some don't want outside clinicians caring for their patients, and others are happy to outsource, you know, some of that to a telehealth provider that can can, can sort of fill that gap. But we're seeing both equally. And I think there'll be more success stories as, you know, as we see this evolve. As If reimbursement stays up to speed with the degree to which these hospital and health system and provider groups want to use telehealth, then I think we're going to see some big success stories down the road. Excellent. Thanks, Lee. Appreciate those insights. We'll kick it over to Jerry. Well, thanks. I agree that major medical systems are certainly leading the way on telehealth, but we can't ignore the fact that individual practitioners that want to maintain connectivity with their patients are getting involved in telehealth as well. They're doing it because they do want to have that connectivity to their patient. But it also, in the era of COVID, a lot of patients can't come into the office and it continues to provide a revenue stream for the individual practitioner that they wouldn't have were it not for telehealth. And it also gives the patient a level of comfort in being able to see face-to-face the practitioner that they're used to dealing with day in and day out. And I think that as time goes on here, we're going to see that become the fundamental or regular method of a lot of patients connecting with their practitioner. It's easy. They don't have to go into a hospital or a doctor's office. There's no temperature checks. There's no masks. There's no issues or concern about COVID. They can sit at home and discuss things with their practitioner. 
as time goes on, that practitioner is going to be able to monitor vital signs with the patient. And they'll be able to do things like heart rate, blood pressure, and look at the eyes, do all sorts of system checks that they used to have to do in the office. Much of that will be done by telehealth now. All right, great. Well, I appreciate your time to both of you today. This is our last question, which is what kind of government funding options might the public not be aware of that can help expand their telehealth technology? And again, we'll start with Leah on this one. Yeah, well, I think we may all be familiar with the A lot of those have been administered through the FCC over the last year and, and really have been funneled from CARES Act funding specifically around telehealthful areas. But I think there's funding out there to support it if you have the right use case. And if you are in a qualifying organization to submit an application for it, but there's still quite a bit out there. All right, great. Thanks, Leah. And we'll pass it over to Jerry. Yeah, I appreciate that. I certainly understand what Leah is addressing with the CARES Act. The problem with some of these acts is their one-time funding. What we need to do is look at how we're going to have sustained funding to maintain telehealth. And one-time funding doesn't always do that. It's also $200 million at this point from the CARES Act is certainly a generous amount of money. But when you get to the local, state and local governments, that amount of money can be consumed in a very quick period of time. So what we're going to have to do for the future is look at how to get funding on a sustained basis that provides money for infrastructure, for the providers, for ensuring that the patients are covered by insurance, by Medicare, Medicaid, so that there is no diminution in care. So there's still some road ahead that needs to be traveled before we really understand where the funding's gonna come from. And that's something that I think as telehealth becomes a more important part of uh, day-to-day care, but also expanded care into emergency care, into remote care for the patient that Funding will have to be an important component of that, and that's going to have to come from federal and state agencies. Hey, Matt, I was going to jump in, if you don't mind, to add. I couldn't agree with Jerry Moore there, and I think that the funding that's available through some of these telehealth grants, they're a great Kickstarter they're a business startup proposition, but to Jerry's point, it's going to take all of those other changes that we've talked about today to make that a sustainable model for many who would need to rely on that funding for longer than it's been supplied. But I do think that's where reimbursement is going to be a huge factor there. And physicians need to see the ROI. They need to know that telehealth is going to continue to generate revenue for their practices the same way their on-site services have to offset the investments they need to make in telehealth so that grant funding and other funding sources aren't always necessary or may not need to be sustained past the point where they're seeing an ROI on those. 
So just add in there 100% agree with Jerry that they are an initial, you know, Kickstarter option, and they're certainly not going to be a sustainer without other funding and also without the long-term changes, the longitudinal changes we need to see for telehealth adoption to continue. That's great. No, I appreciate those extra insights there, Leah. And this concludes this episode of the Public Health Trends in 2021 and Beyond, What a Difference a Pandemic Makes podcast series on Government Technology Insider, where Leah Sims, who's a Senior Manager of Healthcare Insurance and Life Sciences at Verizon, and Dr. Jerry Hauer, who's a Senior Advisor at Teneo, discuss what federal agencies need to do in order to expand telehealth service delivery to ensure constituent needs are met and much, much more. And Leah and Jerry, thank you so much for your time today. Great to be with you. Yeah, thanks for having us. This was great. Appreciate it.